Part three, chapter nineteen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part three, chapter nineteen. Evening had not yet come when crowds of people began to gather in the gardens of Caesar. They were decked in holiday attire and crowned with wreaths, and joyously broke out into songs. Some were intoxicated. All had come to see the new and magnificent spectacle. Cries of Symaxii, Sommentitii, echoed in the Via Tecta, on the bridge of Emilius, and from the other side of the Tiber, on the triumphal way, around the circus of Nero, and afar off on the Vatican Hill. People had been burned at the stake before in Rome, but never had there been such a number of victims. Caesar and Tigellinus, in order to have done with the Christians and to suppress the plague which was spreading from the prisons all over the city, had ordered all the dungeons to be emptied, so that there remained in them only a handful of people, destined for the close of the spectacle. Consequently, when the crowds had passed the gates of the gardens, they were greatly astonished. All the main and lesser walks which led through dense groves and along lawns, thickets, ponds, and dales strewn with flowers, were studded with stakes smeared with pitch, to which the Christians were fastened. In higher places, where the view was not obstructed by trees, whole rows of stakes were to be seen, and bodies decked with flowers and ivy leaves. These rows extended over the hills and dales so far that, whereas the nearest looked like the masts of vessels, the farthest off seemed like colored darts or staffs thrust in the earth. The number of them surpassed all expectations. It seemed as if an entire nation had been fastened to the stakes to make a Roman and imperial holiday. Groups of spectators stopped before individual stakes when the form, the sex, or the age of the victims attracted them. They looked at the faces, the wreaths, the garlands of ivy, and then went on and on to other stakes, asking themselves in amazement how there could be so many guilty, or how could children scarcely able to walk unaided have set fire to Rome. The astonishment changed gradually into fear. Meantime darkness fell and the first stars appeared in the sky. By the side of every victim appeared a slave with a lighted torch in his hand when from various parts of the gardens came the sounds of trumpets as a signal for the commencement of the performance each slave put his torch under the stake the pitch-covered straw concealed under flowers at once caught fire the flames increased rapidly withered the garlands and leaping upward licked the feet of the victims a hush fell upon the spectators the gardens echoed with one vast groan and with cries of pain Many of the victims, however, lifted their faces towards the starry heavens and sang hymns in praise of Christ. The people listened, but the stoniest hearts among them were touched with pity, when from the smaller stakes arose the heart-rending cries of children, Mama! Mama! A tremor shook even the spectators who were intoxicated when they saw the little heads and innocent faces distorted with pain or choking in the smoke which was stifling them but the flames leaped up still higher and swept away new wreaths of roses and ivy the flames leaped up and in their light could be seen groups of trees and meadows and flowery dales the water in pools and lakes reflected the light the trembling leaves of the trees reddened in the glow everywhere it was as light as day 
the odor of burning bodies filled the gardens but immediately slaves sprinkled aloes into incense burners placed among the stakes from the crowds arose cries whether of compassion or delight who could tell the cries rose with the flames which embraced the stakes climbed to the breasts of victims shriveled with its burning breath the hair on their heads licked their faces until they were black and charred and then shot up higher as if to display the victory and triumph of the power at whose command they had burst forth at the beginning of the spectacle caesar had appeared in a splendid chariot drawn by four white steeds and dressed as a charioteer in the color of the greens the party to which he and the court belonged after him followed other chariots with courtiers in brilliant costumes senators priests bacchantes with wreaths on their heads and pitchers of wine in their hands partly drunk and uttering wild cries by the side of these were musicians disguised as fauns or satyrs who played on lutes harps flutes and horns in other chariots were roman matrons and maidens also drunk and half naked about the chariots ran men who shook staffs decorated with ribbons others beat drums others scattered flowers the brilliant pageant moved onward shouting evoe along the widest road of the garden amidst the smoke and the living torches caesar keeping near him tigellinus and chilo whose terror he enjoyed drove the steeds himself and proceeding slowly looked at the burning bodies and listened to the cries of the populace standing on the high golden chariot surrounded by a sea of people who bowed to his feet in the glare of the fire crowned with a wreath of a circus victor he rose above the courtiers and the crowd he appeared gigantic his immense arms stretched out to hold the reins seemed to bless the people a smile played over his face and in his blinking eyes as a sun or a god he shone above the throng terrible but splendid and mighty at times he stopped to look closer at some maiden whose bosom had begun to blacken in the fire or at the face of a child distorted with agony and then he went on leading a wild and frenzied retinue at times he bowed to the people and then again bending backward he drew in the golden reins and conversed with tigellinus finally when he had reached a large fountain at the crossing of two roads he alighted from the chariot and beckoning to his followers mixed with the crowd he was greeted with shouts and applause the bacchantes the nymphs the senators and augustales the priest the fauns the satyrs and soldiers surrounded him in an excited circle but he with tigellinus on one side and chilo on the other walked around the fountain about which were burning torches stopping before each one he made remarks about the victims or ridiculed the old greek whose face betrayed horror and affright at last he stopped before a tall mast decked with myrtle and ivy the red tongues of fire had reached to the knees of the victim but it was impossible to see his face for fresh burning twigs veiled it with smoke in a little while however a breeze turned aside the smoke and unveiled the head of an old man with a white beard falling over his breast at sight of him chilo wriggled like a wounded snake and gave a cry resembling a raven's caw rather than a human voice glaucus glaucus it was indeed the face of glaucus that gazed at him from the burning stake 
the physician was still alive his face indicated pain and was inclined forward as if he wished to look closely for the last time upon his persecutor upon the man who had betrayed him who had robbed him of wife and children who had hired an assassin to kill him and who after all this had been forgiven in the name of christ had delivered him into the hands of the executioners never had any man outraged another in a more bloody and frightful manner and now the victim was dying at the burning stake and the persecutor was standing at his feet the eyes of glaucus looked directly into those of the greek at times smoke hid him but when the breeze blew this away chilo saw again those eyes gazing at him he tried to flee but could not his legs seemed to have turned into lead he thought that some unseen hand held him before that stake he was petrified he felt that something had given way within him that he had had enough of tortures and blood that his end was approaching and that everything was vanishing caesar the court the crowds a black and frightful solitude encircled him in which nothing was visible save the fiery eyes of the martyr which summoned him to judgment glaucus bending his head still lower stared fixedly at him all present divined that something was passing between those two men laughter died on their lips for in chilo's face there was something terrible such fear and pain distorted it as if the tongues of fire were burning his own flesh suddenly he reeled and stretching imploring arms upward he cried in a terrible and heart-rending voice glaucus in the name of christ forgive me a deep silence fell all about a shiver ran through the spectators and all eyes were raised involuntarily the head of the martyr moved slightly and then from the top of the mast there came a voice like a groan i forgive thee chilo fell down upon his face and howled like a wild beast taking up sand with his hands he strewed it upon his head meantime the flames shot up and licked the breast and face of glaucus the myrtle crown upon his head began to burn and also the ribbon on top of the pole the whole of which blazed with flames chilo rose after a time with a face so changed that to the augustales he seemed like another man his eyes shone with an extraordinary light joy spread over his wrinkled forehead the greek who a minute ago seemed so helpless looked now like a priest inspired by divinity and panting to reveal new truths what is the matter has he gone crazy asked a number of voices but he turned towards the multitude and raising his right hand cried or rather shouted in a voice so loud that not only the augustales but the multitudes heard it o roman people i swear to ye that the innocent are perishing behold the incendiary and he pointed his finger at nero a hush of silence followed the courtiers were petrified chilo continued to stand with arm outstretched and with finger pointing at nero all at once a tumult broke out the people like a wave urged by a whirlwind rushed towards the old man to get a better view of him here and there were heard cries seize him in other places woe to us among the crowds arose hisses and shouts bronzebeard matricide incendiary the uproars grew louder at every moment 
the bacchantes shouting wildly sought the shelter of the chariots then some of the stakes having burnt through fell down and scattering sparks about them increased the confusion a blind mad wave of people caught chilo and swept him into the interior of the garden the stakes began to burn through in every direction and to fall across the roads filling the alleyways with smoke sparks and the smell of burnt wood and human flesh the nearer lights went out it grew dark the terrified crowds pressed towards the gates news of what had occurred spread rapidly and was changed and augmented as it passed from mouth to mouth some said that caesar had swooned others that he had confessed that he had ordered rome to be set on fire still others that he had been taken seriously ill and that he had been borne out in a chariot in a dying condition here and there were heard voices of sympathy for the christians if they had not burned rome why then all this blood torture and injustice would not the gods avenge the innocent and what sacrifices would placate them the words innocent people were repeated oftener and oftener women expressed aloud their pity for the children so many of whom had been thrown to wild beasts or had been crucified or burned in those cursed gardens finally compassion changed into maledictions against caesar and tigellinus there were some also who asked themselves or others what kind of a god is this who gives such strength to meet torture and death and they went towards their homes in meditation chilo however roamed about the gardens not knowing where to go or what to do again he felt himself a sick and helpless old man now he stumbled over half-burned corpses now he trod on embers which sent after him a shower of sparks now he sat down and gazed about him with a vacant stare already the gardens were becoming dark the trees no longer stood out in a red glare only the pale moon lighted the alleys the dark pillars fallen across them and the partly consumed victims changed into formless lumps but the old greek thought that still in the moonlight he could see the face of glaucus with eyes fixed upon him shunning the light he hid himself amid the shadows finally however he emerged again and as if led by some hidden force directed his steps towards the fountain beside which glaucus had expired a hand touched his shoulder the old man turned and seeing an unknown person before him cried out with terror who art thou paul of tarsus the apostle i am accursed what dost thou desire i wish to save thee chilo leaned against a tree his legs trembled beneath him and his arms hung down by his sides there is no salvation for me he said despairingly hast thou not heard that christ forgave the thief upon the cross asked paul dost thou know what i have done i beheld thy distress and heard thee bear witness to the truth o oh, master the servant of christ forgave thee in the hour of agony and death why then should not christ forgive thee chilo bowed his head on his hands as if bewildered forgiveness forgiveness for me our god is a god of mercy said the apostle for me repeated chilo and he began to groan like a man who is too feeble to restrain his pain and suffering take my arm and come with me and taking him upon his arm paul went towards the crossing of the roads guided by the murmur of the fountain which seemed to mourn in the stillness of the night over the bodies of the martyrs 
our god is a god of mercy said the apostle again wert thou to stand on the shore and cast pebbles into the sea couldst thou fill up its depths i tell thee that the mercy of christ is like the sea and that the sins and transgressions of men disappear in it like the pebbles i tell thee that it is like the sky which covers lands and mountains and seas for it is everywhere and is without limit and without end thou hast suffered at the stake of glaucus christ beheld thy anguish regardless of what might happen on the morrow thou didst say behold the incendiary christ will remember thy words thy depravity and falsehood are gone in thy heart there remains only contrition follow me and hearken to my words i am he who hated christ and persecuted the elect i did not desire him and did not believe in him until he appeared before me and called me since that time he is my love and now he has visited thee with compunction and fear and agony in order to call thee to himself thou didst hate him but he loved thee thou didst deliver his followers to torture but he will forgive thee and save thee great sobs shook the breast of the wretched man and rent his soul to its depths but paul embraced him comforted him and led him away as a soldier leads a captive after a time the apostle spoke again come with me i will lead thee to him for why else would i come to thee he commanded me to gather souls in the name of love and i obey his command thou believest thyself to be damned but i say to thee believe in him and salvation awaits thee thou considerest that thou art hated but i tell thee once more that he loves thee look at me when i possessed him not i possessed nothing save the malice which dwelt in my heart but now his love takes the place of father and mother of riches and power in him alone is refuge he will consider thy penitence will have mercy on thy misery will free thee from fear and raise thee to himself so speaking he led him to the fountain whose silvery spray gleamed in the light of the moon silence reigned all about and the gardens were deserted for slaves had already removed the charred stakes and the bodies of the martyrs chilo fell upon his knees with a groan and hiding his face in his hands remained motionless but paul raised his face towards the stars and prayed o lord behold this wretched man his sorrow his tears and his agony o lord of mercy who didst shed thy blood for our sins forgive him through thy passion thy death and thy resurrection then he was silent but for a long time he looked upward at the stars and prayed meantime at his feet arose a cry like a groan o christ forgive me then paul approached the fountain and dipping water in his hand he returned to the kneeling wretch chilo i baptize thee in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen chilo raised his head and crossing his arms remained motionless the moon shone full upon his white hairs and upon the equally white face still as if dead or chiseled out of stone the moments passed from the great aviaries in the gardens of domitian came the crowing of cocks but chilo remained in his kneeling posture like a monument finally he arose and said to the apostle what shall i do before death paul roused from his meditation on the boundless power that moved even such minds as that of the greek answered have faith and testify to the truth they went out together 
at the gates of the garden the apostle blessed the old man once more and then they parted chilo insisted upon this because he foresaw that after what had happened both caesar and tigellinus would give orders that he should be pursued his presentiment was fulfilled when he returned home he found the house surrounded by praetorians who seized him and under the direction of scevinus took him to the palace caesar had retired but tigellinus was waiting as soon as he saw the wretched greek he greeted him with a calm though ominous face thou art guilty of treason said he and punishment will not be spared thee but shouldst thou confess to-morrow in the antechamber that thou wert drunk and mad and that the instigators of the conflagration were the christians thy punishment will be reduced to flogging and expulsion i cannot do that said chilo tigellinus approached him with a slow step and said in a low but terrible voice how is that dog wert thou not drunk and dost thou not understand what is awaiting thee look there and he pointed to a corner of the chamber where beside the long wooden bench stood four thracian slaves with cords and pincers in their hands but chilo replied i cannot rage seized tigellinus but he restrained himself hast thou seen he asked how christians die dost thou wish to die in the same way the old man raised his pale face his lips moved silently for a time then he said i also believe in christ tigellinus looked at him in surprise dog art thou mad suddenly the rage which had accumulated in his breast burst forth springing at chilo he caught his beard with both hands threw him upon the floor and trampled on him repeating with foam upon his lips thou shalt retract thou shalt i cannot said the prostrate chilo take him to the rack at this order the thracians seized the old man and laid him on the bench then fastening him to it with cords they began to squeeze his lean legs with pincers but he kissed their hands with humility as they bound him to the bench and then he closed his eyes and seemed dead he was alive however for when tigellinus bent over him and asked him once more wilt thou retract his pale lips moved slightly and he whispered i cannot tigellinus ordered the torture to be stopped helpless his face distorted by anger he strode up and down the room at last a new thought came to his head he turned to the thracians and said tear out his tongue end of part three chapter nineteen